0: Welcome back to the Cock and Ball Podcast, a weekly look at all things Spurs and the time it takes you to walk from Seven Sisters to White Hart Lane. I'm Tom, a.k.a. Fenn, uh, and joining me tonight is a man who backs Obama when he says young people should stay angry, but only if it's about Mac Doherty getting minutes on the pitch, it's Ash.
1: <laughs> Good evening, Tom. How are you doing?
0: I'm very well, thank you. Uh, and alongside him tonight is a man so full of hot air, uh, he could prevent climate change if he just stopped talking so much It's Jules. <laughs> good evening mate i mean if it was that simple i'd just do it <laughs> take one for the team <laughs> it's a shame that you were uh, that you would have to speak professionally and as if by magic just on time jamie Summers is walking down what looks like the junction road. it's grazing road actually Looks oh, okay.
1: like he's running away from a crime scene yeah
0: that too but don't <laughs> tell anyone it's good timing because i was about to introduce you in the intro so, listen to this. And finally, we have our resident journalist who, if he ever has to talk about COP26 again, he'll permanently leave his heating on and the windows open. It's Jim.
2: <laughs> Evening. Uh, my sound quality might be terrible because, as you've mentioned, I'm walking down Grazing Road and it's quite noisy. <laughs> How is everyone?
0: Oh, well, thank you. I've got a question for you, Jim, while you're here. And then I'm going to mute you forever so you can get the bus. Um, what does COP actually stand for in COP26? Let's have a work it out. So it's COP
2: is Conference of the Parties and the parties are to so let me get this. So it's the Conference of the Parties to the United Nations Framework on Combating Climate Change. And somebody was bright enough to realise that's not very catchy. <laughs> um so they went with cop instead. So that means every journalist in the land is going, our bulletin's a bit cop-heavy at the moment. And then <laughs> then you have to be careful about how you say that in case you say something you shouldn't.
3: Is it me or is Jim out of
2: breath from walking down the high street?
1: With a popo right behind him.
2: Have you ever tried to walk away from a crime scene very quickly whilst recording a podcast? <laughs> it's it's, on on the, it's, it's okay. emotionally and physically draining. It's on the bucket list.
1: He's only joining us for the alibi.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it was me thinking Cops did for close of play 26, as in that would be the expiry date of this uh 2026. <laughs> Are
2: you talking about new manager bounces today by any chance?
1: Why, well, you, you to talk about Bolton, don't you?
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fan, this
3: is the part of the show where Jim wants to crowbar in his side team. Right. Well, let's he's be honest. A, we are his side team, actually.
0: <laughs> for, for context, Jim is only here to keep us within the law. He doesn't give a fuck about Spurs. He's a he's a Stockport County fan for his sins, uh, and he went to to Bolton also for his other sins. And <laughs> you had a good time, Jimmy. you want to tell everyone about it on your little podcast.
2: No, I don't really. I was just going to say that I'm actually now pro-sacking managers because both clubs have fired terrible managers, brought new ones in and things are looking better. So everything's great.
0: Oh, good. Yeah, everything was great for us on Thursday, if I can finally move on, Jim. Um, OK.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, it's so difficult to segue, man, who is just walking down a high road. Yeah. Um, yeah, Vitesse at home on Thursday uh, went down in history as Antonio Conte's inaugural game in charge of Spurs, as Jim has alluded to. Uh, safe to say, we've got glimpses of what's to come, uh, but the old Spurs still hoards his ash. <laughs>
1: yeah, uh, it still feels weird to say Conte managed a game at Tottenham, but hey-ho. <laughs> um, he found that everything he needs to know about Tottenham in uh, uh, in that game especially in the first half was like Spurs in a microcosm so in that you know we can be really good but we're often pretty fucking useless <laughs>
0: <laughs> sounds like a good summary of your um we certainly got an insight into to the system and, and the style of play that, that we're going to see on the Conte it was kind of predictable in a way we you know what you're going to get with him uh, but we certainly got to see the, the early shoots I thought J- Jules
3: yeah uh looks promising um and you can see i think we scored one absolutely gorgeous goal um back to front uh where you can see when when it all clicks together there's going to be some beautiful sort of uh combination play uh, and it's all going to work um but as you say <laughs> there are moments where it doesn't click together and then you're left with eric dyer in one-on-ones
0: in big expanses <laughs> of space <laughs> that's when you make me shit myself you think that wouldn't no, happen but- some- wouldn't you you think you know if you have more more centre backs to hide Eric Dyer, then then we're under a bit more protection. But sometimes it's uh, too many cooks, isn't it?
1: <laughs> yeah, but I think the um the thing we should actually be taking away from that game is that is it's how telling it is that after five minutes you could tell what Conte was actually trying to do, and it took four months and we still had no idea what type of football Nuno was trying to employ. So, uh, it's all it's all positives to be fair. I know obviously we gave away two fucking awful goals. But other than those two those two goals, we weren't really that much in doubt, and I think it's been sort of misrepresented the game as as Tottenham being this massive shambles. And don't get me wrong, I did not enjoy watching that. Am
2: I right in thinking that the Conference League is a route only into the Europa League? Yes, That's correct. So I go back to my previous point. Then, what's the point? Because we're going to qualify for the Europa League anyway through the league. We might not. <laughs> <laughs>
0: What well, are we in
1: like ninth now, aren't we? So
0: <laughs> there's still a lot of season left. I mean, we said last in the last part that uh, I think we could probably realistically finish sixth, which is probably going to be a
2: yeah,
3: sixth is a real League, isn't it? Yeah. Well, but that's, but that's also best case scenario is like fifth or sixth, and worst case is tenth. And also, wouldn't it be nice just to win a trophy just so we could say we've won a trophy and tell everyone to fuck off and stop going on about it? Like no more five thousand days or whatever it was that Fenn brought up on the last pod.
0: <laughs> I don't sure really some lonely Arsenal fan brought it up. Um, Jim, I'm still a little bit concerned about you because what the viewers can't see is that you are just uh, very cautiously making your way down a grazing road, but you constantly look over your shoulder while you walk, and that is a sign. <laughs> of-
2: I am a I am a very nervous man, but again, that's mainly because of the crimes I've committed.
0: <laughs> allegedly is that what we have to say <laughs> allegedly
2: uh no i'm just walking down grazing road it's very busy there's lots of traffic and i will either get run over or, or punched so um
1: which yeah. is pretty much how the game felt on thursday because it was fucking mental <laughs> when <wasn't it>? anything <laughs> happened <laughs> that's how you do a segue, lads <laughs> <laughs> but it is <laughs> it
2: it is how you do a segue until you say that's how you do a segue.
1: <laughs> yeah, you got to pat yourself on the back. Oh, and then as well, didn't you? No, no, it's a, uh, it was a crazy game. And like towards the end, even a fucking moron came on the pitch. But to be fair, Winks played all right in the end, didn't he?
3: I was waiting for the compulsory Winks joke. I've, I've missed you, mate.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, it was. Uh... There's not much really to be said about the game, to be honest, other than you know I hope Conte kept the uh, the number for the doctor who um, did his hair transplant um, <laughs> because I think he's seen there's, there's going to be a lot of stressful times, isn't there, Jules?
3: There will be, particularly if um, Romero continues to pick up cards and play in the way that he's uh, <laughs> he's he started at Spurs. Um, he got sent off for what seemed a completely fair two yellow cards. Um, Absolutely. Is that something which Conte is going to have to have a word about and just be like, look, we love that you're a bit psycho, but there's being a bit psycho and then there's
2: sort of like American psycho. Dial it down. <laughs> you do have to be careful what you wish for, though, don't you? Because it was only either last week or the week before that we were talking about Nuno's team being too soft and wanting to see a bit more fight. Um, it's obviously being reckless, but... Uh, yeah, but you, everyone else... <laughs> If if Romero can drop fifteen percent
3: aggression and all the other players can increase like by one percent, that's the kind of ratio we we need that balance.
1: I have no issue. I have no issue with Romero being that aggressive. It was just making the stupid challenge when you're already on a yellow card. Like that was just fucking brainless. But he's still a young centre back. It, he'll learn from that. It's, it's more the constant issues that we see from our other centre halves that are more of a concern for me. But yeah, talking about aggressive aggression, actually in that game, that's something that we saw a lot of. I mentioned that we um within five minutes you could already see what Conte was trying to trying to do, and that was obviously have the uh, the wing backs essentially be on the same line as the strikers across the pitch. As you look at, it. they were as forward as anyone and uh, getting into the box, and that they had a couple of chances themselves, both both to score and we saw the the one twos like you mentioned but it was about being aggressive throughout the pitch and trying to win the ball in the in the middle to to, to higher third to stop our uh, <laughs> really leaky defense actually being put under any pressure so once we once we get a bit of fitness in in the lads and I'm sure we will do having brought in what was it three or four fitness coaches i think we've uh, we're, we're on to good times
0: but yeah ultimately ultimately who cares cuz it's one of those games that we didn't really care about anyway we expected to win and look we won in a competition, not that asked about anyway. So, so it was a bit of a close shave in the end, but we got there. Speaking of close shave, support for this podcast, uh, Cock and Ball, is brought to you by very aptly Manscaped, uh, who are the best in uh, men's below the waist grooming, uh, and they're the champions of the world at that. Manscapes offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscapes have just launched their fourth generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. Yes, you heard that correct. The 4.0. So you could join 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscapes with this exclusive offer for you. We can give you 20% off and free worldwide shipping uh, with what code, Ashley? Clean Balls. Clean Balls. You got it. Cock and Ball offer you Clean Balls. Go to manscaped.com. You can get 20% off uh, and free worldwide shipping just in time for Christmas, uh, which is absolutely perfect timing for us. Manscaped's been very good for us, Ash. They've uh, very kindly sent us the lawnmower for, amongst other things. um, It's a nice, sleek, well-designed thing, actually. What did you make of it? Yeah, it's
1: fantastic. It's it's, it's nice and lightweight. You feel like you've got control of it, but you can feel just how well it's made and they mentioned precision engineering there and it really is fantastic I've been using it and my todder is tamed my testes are trimmed and I feel like a new man
0: (laughs) fantastic because I've always lived uh, it's always trepidous isn't it when you're trying to use what essentially the shaver you use on your face on your own balls and look no, no one likes your nip and tuck and it's not guaranteed but I thought I felt so much. I was a lot more comfortable and confident using this uh, than I have done using my own shaver, which I use on my own face. And to be fair, I I felt pretty good. I used the ball deodorant as well. didn't know that was a thing, but it is quite nice, wasn't it?
1: Fantastic. There's no taping going on
0: down there, mate. No, absolutely not. So to be fair, Manteca did send us this, but I thought it was actually pretty good. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code CLEANBALLS at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. And use the code CLEANBALLS. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Anyway, let's seamlessly mix back into the podcast. Jim's gone true serial
2: killer there. <laughs> Mask up. He looks like he's going on his next spree. Yeah. <laughs> I know where you live, Jules. <laughs>
0: <laughs> just got threatened on the podcast. Crimes <laughs> is <laughs> on the grays Inn road, but just
2: know. for the be... avoidance just for the avoidance of doubt, I haven't actually committed any crimes.
0: It's <laughs> <laughs> Questionably. Anyway, on to different tests completely on um Sunday. Everton are essentially the northern version of Spurs. And we kind of saw that in the formation from the very off is that they matched us almost man for man, player for player across the entire pitch, which is quite impressive to see. So uh, we, we did actually predict a, a fairly convincing Tottenham win, but I think we were a bit premature uh, in, a, in how successful Conte is going to be. So Jim smirked and it's put me off because he, he, he heard the word premature. And,
2: uh... <laughs> uh, I was going to say not for the first time, but then I felt better of it. But now I've done it anyway. I mean for for the avoidance of doubt I have absolutely nothing of substance to offer to this section because as we've already discussed I was too busy in Bolton to be watching this game so uh, all I'm going to do is chip in with sarky remarks as usual
0: Oh good, oh good, as long as you get your bus safely and people don't look at you too weirdly when you suddenly come in and go (laughs) premature
3: (laughs) (laughs) That, would, that definitely doesn't get any attention on Tottenham High Road. <laughs>
0: <laughs> to be fair, if you saw someone speaking to themselves on a 279, you probably wouldn't bat an eyelid. you just go, yep, is what it is. I am where I am. Hashtag London. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, we still saw our shape and structure, uh, which uh, was unbuslike, like unlike our previous management. But still looking pretty aggressive. We're still finding that system... Still trying to find the right personnel that will perfectly suit Conte. Uh, but the shape and structure, Jules, was pretty good. Yeah, I thought it was excellent. Um, I think all the, a
3: lot of coaches talk about distances between, between players and kind of not leaving too big a gap or, or equally crowding an area of the pitch. And you can see the the work that's going on the training ground already in that, in that regard. Um, I just think the players seem to know where to stand. But then they're still a little unsure of exactly what pass to play um yeah. like They're sort of there, and it's sort of like I don't know, golden retriever at like a zebra crossing. It can see roughly what it's got to do, but like, does it go for it or not? And does it get hit by that bus, which, which Jim's oh, on? Um, <laughs> our,
1: our passing was fucking awful throughout the whole game. When it? it was just terrible first touches, terrible runs. You, we, you can see they were trying to do little one ones and well, one ones not a word, <laughs> one twos. <laughs> But it just um, just wasn't working. <laughs> no,
3: I, I, no, exactly that, though. Um, there just wasn't quite that conviction in playing the pass and following it in the pattern, which very clearly Ponte uh, likes. I, I remember a lot of the Chelsea players under him used to talk about how he'd get them to repeat the same, even the same off the ball movements to complement where the ball goes in literally like almost like a sort of choreographed system. So he needs both time, and these players need to uh sort of fully sort of buy into it um but yeah you could definitely see the the shape and stuff is a lot better and and you can see there's an ideology being imposed there
1: well Jim missed the game didn't he because he said it was at Bolton and to be fair he probably saw better football there because the quality in the Tottenham Everton game was like a go oh, it was just just a lot of random shit that didn't really connect
2: <laughs> um, I mean not not to be uh not to bang on too much about it, but it was actually an extremely good game at Bolton to the point that it led match of the day last night. So, uh, yeah, I probably had more fun than you lot, despite actually being in Bolton, which um, you know is, is not some, something anyone voluntarily wants to do.
1: We're running out of towns to abuse in the UK, Dad. <laughs> we are. <laughs> <aren't> we? <laughs> gonna making may,
3: making making our way north, following the main motorways, it seems. No. Um, nice, nice
2: ground though. I'll give him that.
3: Fenn, I wanted to ask you. After the game, I saw Conte, um, and it's well, quite that's... rare, I think, to see a to see a player. sorry, to see a manager so early on, um, call out that players are doing do something wrong. Like usually, there's kind of a sort of a polite month where they're nice to each other, and then it starts to come out. Conte was asked after the game, like, "Oh, what do you think you could do better?" And he said that the passing in the final third was very very bad um how would you feel if you were one of the two tens or strikers <laughs> that was the the comment
0: being made fair I mean it's it's very rare that, that Son gets subbed off in a game because he is one of our best players but he got subbed off for a reason because he never really turned up he might as well have still been in Bolton with Jim and Stockport when you do comments like that that are quite general I think it's completely fair because if, you, if you're picking out certain players and going, right, you in particular were absolutely awful. This person was not doing what I instructed them to do. Then that, that's horrific for morale. But this is, this is a bit more of, a, of an open thing. This, it affects the wing backs moving at incredible speed. Uh, and it affects, <laughs> affects um, whoever the third person is behind the two strikers who, who should be supporting them as well. So he's trying to attack about half the team. That's OK. To not have a shot on target and to attack the attackers for not being good enough is absolutely fair. That said, I, I actually thought we had a shot on target because Reguillon... You know Region cutting in on his right foot and he curled it and he just yeah, whacked it? I was going to say that. I thought that was a shot on target.
1: They don't count I... on the shot's blocked.
0: Really? I didn't they
1: know that. Count. No, don't count. They don't count to the stats, which is why it's some of the stats you've got to take with a pinch of salt when you've got to look at the game and see whether we actually created chances, which is the bigger worry. Not whether the shots were on target, it was the fact that we didn't really create much. Um and the Chelsea were you know, he's getting a lot of fucking abuse on, on Twitter and whatever. Um and he was he, he came close to scoring for us, to be fair. But yeah, the issues was with we we couldn't press the ball forward and we didn't it was like I think Conte used were we made very many mistakes in the final third with our final passing and that, that really let us down but you, you mentioned some there I was having a bad game but I, I noticed every time he got the ball that Everton fans were booing and I, I wonder do Everton fans know any other noise other than boo because I'm sure that was the only bit of atmosphere they created all game.
0: <laughs> I do remember once I mean we'll come onto their microphone actually we'll talk about it um it, it, it turned up in match of the day didn't it that the, the pitch side microphones are very good at picking up very clearly what certain fans are saying it's gone around it's, it's far you've probably heard it about this fan who's shouting at stuart atwell for being a terrible referee even though he's not even refereeing the game <laughs> in any city which i found quite But well, my favorite pitch side microphone moment in history i'm pretty sure goodison park where out of nowhere someone just shouted clear as day wanker (laughs) peanut I think favourite pitchside
3: microphone moment has to be, um, do you remember that clip of Harry Redknapp having the ball punted into the back of his head when he's doing an interview and he's like, no wonder he's in the fucking reserves
1: I just remember (laughs) the video of hall falling into the crowd and then the geezer just gets the camera out of his pocket (laughs)
2: best thing about that Harry Redknapp incident was where he said, he said no wonder he's in the reserve, but he followed it up with, you've got some fucking brains, haven't you?
3: <laughs> Turn, Fen, to one quick thing you mentioned earlier about Reguillon having a having a chance. And I actually thought both wing-backs um, got forward, as, as Ash has mentioned, a lot more than we had seen under Nuno. And as well as the Reguillon right-footed shot, both Reggion and Romero I think had a couple of other really good opportunities each. Romero arriving at the stick definitely could have had a goal with a great Great header um, he had on, and Reggion had that the one good thing Kane did all all day was that cross to Reggion, and he, you know, he probably should do better. Do, is it one of those moments where I look at that and I remember Conte's team before and I think, ah, uh, yeah, because Marcus Alonso scores those, doesn't he? Mm. It's, it's, it was that moment where I looked at him and I was like, the fullbacks here are going to have to. Going to, they're going to have to improve their output because part of the chance creation falls to them in this system.
0: Yeah, that's absolutely right. I mean, as much as we hate Alonso for, for being a terrible person, um, and as much <laughs> as we hate sickness for generalising about Latins and then you then mixing up Romero with Emerson, I presume you're talking about Emerson, um, yeah, you see the amount of goals that Alonso would play by turning up late at the far post and you were seeing that with the fallbacks, but where the execution was poor. Brighion's... Really Folly um, at the far post, should have done a lot better with that. It's one of those passes from Kane, which he actually wanted Kane to get on the end of. Uh, and Emerson had that header as well, which he, he looked harder to, to, to head a ball at high. I don't think I've headed a ball that high in my life. Um, but I'm seeing a lot of potential there. I still think Emerson had a good game. on still has a lot to learn. Uh, but he came out today and said he, he spoke to Hakimi, who, who was uh, the, the right wing back for Kante at Inter. And he he said he's Hakeem, he said to him how much he's learned from Conte, how much he's developed as a player. And Reguilón's freely admitted that he's never played in a back five come three before. So although he is technically a left back and this is essentially considered an extension after the left back, this is something completely new for him. I will allow him some time. He was getting a lot of pelters as well uh, along with. Quite a few players, you mentioned the Chelsea were already in a terrible corner at the the end of the game, but we've not seen a good corner taker for Spurs since I I don't know. We haven't, we just haven't. (laughs) Everyone makes out that Ericsson was the the golden wonder of set pieces. He was for about a year or two. Then he used to just pelt people's shins from corners. (laughs) Eventually you'll wear down the first man and eventually you won't stand there anymore. But it is a shame that we he's able to take a corner ericsson no, had amazing free
3: kicks from like that kind of i don't know you know like sort of the de Bruyne channel where it's that kind of like i don't know arc it across the six yard box one but i feel like ericsson had those in his locker perfectly but i never saw him hit corner that went past <laughs> the first post like it was ridiculous <laughs>
1: No, but we we mentioned there that, uh, the the quality that we need from the full-backs. and I'm not worried about them. I'm not worried about the defense. I think uh, we clearly need a centre back. We could improve in that area, but we could already see we can already see the improvement that playing in this system that seems to suit them has, has already made. My problem is with the uh, with the midfield, and I, I don't want to see Heuberg and Skip playing together as a as a two again. Cause it's about as creative as a fucking missionary. It's just. It's just solid, but it's not going to blow anyone's <laughs> trousers off, is it?
0: <laughs> oh, Jim liked that. his boss. That was um. One on Twitter said that to us. Uh, Galv 77. Uh, I did want to talk about it in fairness because um. But he says, why are the fans turned on on Pierre? Uh, Albert Hoybier. Guy is first in most tackles and fourth with most passes. He's an engine. He keeps the play moving. To add to that, do you see him or Skip starting with a more forward thinking CM uh, alongside them? So, to kind of, is it, it's a question I think you were about to ask us essentially is who do you play alongside Skip? Is, is really what, what's going to be, happen here. Skip is by yeah. far the player. The issue we've got is that Skip picked up a yellow card and is now going to be suspended. Uh, in our next game against Leeds, which is in, I think it's on the 21st of November. Um, So I'll put it back to you, Ash, to be fair, because to be fair to Hojbjerg, when something it was the start of last season or the season before, certainly the early Mourinho period, we were raving, and we thought it was the best thing since sliced bread. That said, that was in the context of having a midfielder win since Sissoko and then having to find someone better to to do it. So maybe it is all relative, but maybe we shouldn't forget that there is clearly a player there. But do you want to see someone else partner Skip?
1: Heuberg is a perfectly okay sort of box to box player. He just gets about the pitch very professionally. Doesn't do anything awfully. And the reason why, the reason I believe that his defensive stats are so high is because of his work rate. Like he comes snapping into so many different challenges. The way I see it, though, Skip at the moment is our only really defensive mid. Um, in that term. So I'd love to see us go out and buy another one because we're quite exposed when he leaves. Hoiberg, as much as that running all over the place, he's not hes not that holding midfielder who's going to sit. He's, he wants to be crunching into everything and joining the attack and all sorts. So, I mean, our, our, our creative players have been getting a lot of stick recently in, in Dumbale and Lo and Delhi And some of it rightly so. But I think we need to stop being shocked that our creative players have been in poor form when they've had the two like most defensively minded coaches that have given them absolutely no attacking instructions or created any attacking play whatsoever so like I don't think it's fair for us to continue to um, judge them on how they did did in those fucking awful tactics compared to what they're going to do under Conte. so ideally I want to see a a, a midfield three with, with Kane and Son up front and being Skip or a new defensive midfielder with Chelsea and Hojbjerg or or Ndombele, sorry. Fair enough.
3: Yeah, I'd, I'd, I think I'd agree with that. But actually, if you play a 3-5-2, which allows Son to stay higher up on the last man and not be dropping into areas mm. where he's got his back to goal, it allows you to play a creative player with hoyberg playing a little bit more progressively and then Skip does it, which replicates more closely what um, he was doing for Denmark. So successfully. So ideally I think it's a case of three, five, two, and it's who's going to be the third more roving creative element um to be the other eight. Um ideally. But we've got the
0: options, we've got the flexibility to to make it work. We do, and Zach asks us that on Twitter, but who, who's your man? Who's who's replacing Skip against Leeds? Because uh, he's Conte's got a bit of time to work with his players now in the international break. Um, particularly in and Ali, who aren't going on international duty? Who are the sorts of players you could potentially see moving into this team? If you had to put your money on it, who comes in for skip?
1: I think we're, with, with the free at the back, I think you can afford to be a little bit more adventurous because you've got that extra bit of protection. Like I said, my what I'd like to see us do is sign another defensive midfielder moving forward. But in lieu of that, I think we have to try and pack that midfield and go with the three. And whether that be... Hoiberg and Deli to make up because as much as people want to slate him, his work rate has been the only one that's really putting up any sort of decent numbers. Um, so I'd go with with Hoiberg, Deli and Ndombele in in that game against Leeds.
0: I'd have to agree with that. Jules, anything different? No.
3: And just to say that I, I believe, and maybe Ash, your memory might be better than mine, but I think when Ndombele came through at Lyon and really started to kind of show, show what he could do, Um, I think they played a back three system in quite a lot of Champions League games. So it would replicate him being kind of more orthodox centre-mid when he's got three centre-backs behind him to do the dirty
0: work.
1: Yeah, not a fucking clue, mate.
0: (laughs) Uh, Watching Jim at the corner of the screen, um, you'd be pleased to know that he's uh, safely got off his bus. You were walking down a road. I know you're in a building, but the building doesn't look like your house.
2: It's Marks and Spencer's.
0: Ah, there we go. Or well, find yourself some uh, gluten-free beer and treat yourself to a nice gluten-free biscuit.
2: Yeah, that's the <laughs> that's the problem. They haven't got any, which is very upsetting.
0: Oh, they do the gluten-free craft one. It's down the back. I know which M&S you're in. But uh, I like how
3: I'm... the working the working-class hero of the north is reduced to M&S <laughs> gluten-free beer.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I have I have never ever claimed to be a working-class hero in my life. <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah, but you did just nibble. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Speaking of nibble, wow, well, look at that for a segue. Um, we saw a bit of a nibble from Romero. I quite enjoyed. Uh, squaring up to uh, the people's favourite, Richarlison, who dropped like a bag of maris pipers. Um, <laughs> I mean, I don't know what's su- who is more surprising there, but both of them kicking off at each other is about as predictable as someone pointing out how dark it gets at five p.m. nowadays. <laughs>
1: It was funny to see Hoyberg just pissing himself laughing at Rashaduson while I was on the floor, though.
0: <laughs> That's why we keep Hoyberg in the team. Banter. i <laughs> oh, a bit more to say there, mate. To be honest. Um.
1: <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I'd I'd I would not square up to Romero from what I've seen. He looks like he'd fucking go through anyone. And um, I don't know. I don't know if it was because he was Brazilian and Romero's Argentinian, and there's always a feud there, isn't there? Not to generalise, don't know if that counts as racism, but there
0: you go. <laughs> right, that's that's two S comments from the both. of you. thank you. Can
3: I can I talk about one other pundit while we're on the Sooness topic? So I wanted to get um, get your opinion on this, Ben. Uh, have you seen the Michael Owen rant about uh, Man United and players who quote hide?
0: Is this did he do this on BT? Junior
3: game no so, so it was after um it's after the city game but essentially he was saying ollie's the, the biggest problem with ollie is that he hides when a player is not doing well rather than kind of a sink or swim attitude where if the player is shit it's obvious that they're shit and then they get sold and replaced and he thinks it's what klopp and uh, guardiola did was essentially like i don't know klopp, klopp was like okay i'm gonna play my style of football and if dejan Lovren looks shit in it then it will be apparent that we need to replace Dejan Lovren. And where was <laughs> like, we're playing a high back line, and I don't care if Bakri Samia and Gail Klitsch and Zableta look slow, that means that you've got to sell them and buy faster defenders. They didn't adjust their their system, they just said, Tough shit, sink or swim. Is yeah, they there put it as
1: weeding out the week, didn't he?
3: Yeah. And and if that's the case, and I think Ralph Ranyat was um doing a talk and, and referenced this as well, I saw uh, I saw yesterday. This kind of attitude of like the best coaches right now come with their ideology and they say, you've got to meet what I do and I'm not going to compromise it. Is there anyone from the first couple of games on the Conte who you'd look at and go, Conte is identifying here that that person is not able to play high enough quality football in the system he wants?
0: Um, to a point, yes. I did the, going back to Michael Owen, I mentioned the Atalanta thing because on his punditry for that game. He was stood in between at the, you know, the touchpad with all the, the analysis. They stood him in between um, Rhea Ferdinand and Peter Crouch, who were essentially just having a conversation over the top of him. Not even clocked, that there was a bloke stood between them.
3: I did see that because he kept on trying to come back to this analogy about a cat. Like, he was like, you know, it's a cat and a mouse, and, you know, I can move like the cat. And they was looking at him like,
0: shush. <laughs> <laughs> I <was the> talking <laughs> I think he, there, there, there's perhaps a a slight point to that and I think generally the best managers uh, do do that and Bergie at uh, United was very very good at rotating his squad every four or five years or so it would kind of change identity in that amount of time because people would fall out of favour with the way he played that said the players sorry the managers you're talking about so Pep and Clark, and I put Conte in that category as well, have their own distinctive style. Probably a style more distinctive than Verge than ever had. So, it's for me a little bit too early to say after two games. I think it's interesting however that he started the same 11 didn't he, for both games? So very clearly, he very quickly worked out the sort of players he can trust within that system uh, and somehow But uh Jim, Jim's left MS actually. I
2: have, yeah. Um, I was just going to say, I actually have a point on that, that um, I guess the difference is um, Conte is coming into a situation at Spurs that he hasn't really had. I mean, I guess he sort of has in Italy, but it's in a different league, where at Chelsea, when he decided he had a particular way of wanting to play, he could go out and get the players to make it happen. Um, And to the same extent, if you look at at what Guardiola and Klopp have done at their clubs, Guardiola was was pretty successful immediately, but he had unlimited resource. It took Klopp a couple of years with more limited resource, but certainly more resource than what Spurs have got to get to where he wanted it to be. Uh, So you may actually see... Conte doing something that he hasn't really done before in having to be slightly more patient with what he's got because of the circumstances he faces um so will be do, interesting. You not th- do, you, do you do you not think
3: he's throwing the gauntlet down i think he, i think he he'll show okay <laughs> yeah ben, yeah he ben is, Davies looks a bit looks a bit shit i don't like the look of this player Bergvine can't play in the system it, yeah
2: he, he completely is but I think you just have to... It's not... Uh, basically, you're not comparing apples with apples. He's not in a situation that's us where he can just go out and buy who he wants. It's going to have I, to be slightly more... I think uh, you're
1: doing Conte a bit of a disservice, to be honest. Um, he knew exactly what was coming into, coming to the club. This is a very, very intelligent, yeah, no, he did, uh, smart uh, manager. He, say, he knows not, that he didn't he need to... But,
2: not saying he doesn't. One of the say, time, he, he knew...
1: He, he would have discussed with Pradajir... Exactly what needed to be done to this squad before he took the job on, and whether that be a a quick turnaround or a medium-ish, but it's still going to be relatively short. He's got 18 months with the option of a, of another year. Like he would have had before he took on the job. This is a very difficult man to to employ when you're at Tottenham Hotspur. Like this guy wants success immediately. He left Inter. Because they had to sell or they had to recoup eighty million pounds and therefore sell one of their best players. That's the reason he left Inter. Like he wouldn't come to Spurs if he didn't already know that the um that he could do what he needed to do with that squad. And I think actually him being here on on his own, as well as obviously his management of the side and how good he is as a manager, we should actually be excited that he's come because it probably means that actually in the background there's something good that's going that's gonna happen soon. I'd like to think so anyway.
2: Yeah, that's not a, that wasn't a criticism of, of um, Conte. I think it's just a, a recognition that the circumstances here are slightly different because uh, Spurs have got a bit of money to spend and I'm sure he's been given um, promises about what he's going to get, but it's, that's all relative to everybody else, isn't it? Um, so he might just be... I, I just wonder whether he will try to get a little bit more out of what he's got than he otherwise would if yeah, there was certainly. more money in the bank
3: Two, two final thoughts on that um see where you're both coming from um i i think ash i i kind of agree that he he maybe thinks he's got a bit of cash to play with and, and wants to be able to change things around two did we all notice how quickly that became like i don't know an episode of the godfather and Ash leapt to the defence of his Italian compatriot. How dare you fucking <laughs> besmirch Antonio Conte's hypothetical transfer policy when he's two months away from the window anyway? I,
1: <laughs> I was just trying to highlight the point that he um there's no way he joins Tottenham if, if he doesn't bye, bye, know please. that. Bye, bye, <laughs> that isn't a fucking Italian phrase. I don't know what you said. Was that was that trying to be Joey from Friends? <laughs> yes. <laughs> It's Van Napoli.
0: <laughs> Still don't know what that means. What to do about getting in problems that suit the contest system has been suggested to us uh, by Dan Travers on Twitter, who asked if you could merge two players in the squad to fill a role in each position, so a defence, midfield, attack, but you would lose those players from the squad. Who would you choose? So, for example, you could merge Dele and Tangi to, to have creativity uh, and goal scoring. But obviously, you lose one of those players. So, Ash, who who are you going to merge to, to, to solve this Conte transfer crisis by just merging players together? <laughs> well, it sounds a
1: bit like a Pokemon Evolution, but Tanguy and Tanganga, I think between them, they've got all the attributes, <coughs> haven't they?
0: <laughs> Did you see the Pokemon Evolution in the, uh, the Dutch national team? They've, yeah, uh, you, you, you highlighted it
1: on Twitter, didn't you?
0: Yeah, because... I, I just find it funny that Stephen Bergvine has replaced Stephen Berghouse House on the <laughs> national team. Uh, I quite like the evolution or maybe devolution the that they've gone for there. Uh, but are you going to mix uh, Tanguy and Tanganga positionally or skill-wise? Or I, just for- I,
1: I want to mix their abilities. Um, Tanguy obviously on the ball and Tanganga's defensively uh, or defensively abilities, I should say, and play him as a as a proper deep line playmaker, because that's what we desperately need.
0: Fair. Jules, any other suggestions? Uh, Mora and Kane,
3: because <laughs> Mora's rapid and Kane is so slow, it's criminal. Um, <laughs> yeah. if, Jim, if Jim was that slow, then he would have been caught by
0: whoever's chasing him tonight. Let's put it that way. I don't know. He's, he's disappeared off the call, so I can only presume that he has been caught. <laughs> what, about, what about for you, Fen? Who would you join mm, not sure not sure to be honest it's got a good question to be fair I'd love to see yeah I like the, I like the Kane one I was going to say Kane and Son but what I don't like is that you lose the combination of Kane and Son if you merge them together and this is where this question gets pretty tricky um in which case in which who case, would be, who are the two most
3: useless players who by merging them you just get something better than what is essentially
0: squad filler anyway. <laughs> Could you merge Winx and Hoybier to create the most sideways passing machine? <laughs> Think about all that recycling. And it is COP26 after all. <laughs> what, I don't know. It's an interesting idea. Um, I was thinking
3: more: what if you put like Ben Davies and Rodon together? Like they're already Welsh, So they
1: just become like
3: Welsh? <laughs> it just becomes like Welsh squared.
0: Like just just so <laughs> left-footed. Yeah,
1: we We're do a need sheep in a land or be terrified.
0: We do need more left-footed centre-backs, don't we? So um, <laughs> yeah, Ben Davies left-foot with the defensive ability of Rodon. I like that. That would actually be a good addition to this squad. You're right.
1: <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't rush to sign them if I was a manager,
0: but... <laughs> anyway, international breaks coming next. Um, probably suits us, to be honest, uh, to give Conte a lot more time to work with uh, quite a lot of players. Uh, I was looking at the players who aren't on international duty. I uh, know there are a lot of players that he hasn't used yet, so I think this could be a good time for us. I'll, I'll just list them quickly. We've got Galini and Goal, and then left in Outfield we've got Tanganga, Dyer, Reggion, Cessignon, who we've all forgotten existed. Winks, Deli, and Dombelé, Moira and Hill. Um, are there any players in particular there, Ash, and I'll probably draw you probably more towards Cessignon, who could potentially thrive under a bit of Conte influence.
1: No, you're right to highlight Cessignon, because like I mentioned earlier, he likes his wing backs to join the attack and be as high up. Uh, as, as as his forward. So that's exactly what we want. And that chance that Reggion missed against Everton, that, that left-footed volley, Sessegnon probably scores that. Um, obviously, he's been out of form and, and whatever, and he's been injured. But that's what he did so well coming through the ranks at Fulham, wasn't it? Um, certainly in that championship year where he blew everyone away, was getting into the box and, and scoring goals. So I think he'll be fantastic under content. If there's any manager that can sort of Bring him out of this rut or to sort him out—it's just definitely Conte. So yeah, I'd agree, Yon.
3: I think there could also be an interesting one if uh, Brian Hill gets asked to become a wing back, because um, you look at the skill set um, that he has—the the fact that he's a great crosser of the ball, probably more forward-thinking naturally, but perhaps not quite at, at the level required to be a final third player in the Premier League as of right now. Mm. Um, do you not think he could become a good good left-wing back? He's certainly got the work rate and the cross for it.
1: I worry about his physicality. Um, <clears> I mean, he's already, he's already what, 20, 21? And he's very, very skinny. I feel like you can snap him by just breathing heavily near him. Um, As opposed just, to Region. Yeah, well, Reguil <laughs> has at least got, like, insane amount of speed. And he 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 makes up for it. Um, I think Bergwijn actually... Not Bergwijn. Sorry. Um, Brian Heal would actually maybe impress more if we're going with a 3-5-2 maybe as one of the three midfielders if you can adapt to that midfielder. We've seen him centrally in, the, in a 10 and the the work that the 8 has to get through in that system isn't too dissimilar. So I think that's where that's the position that he, he could adapt to. What
0: about you, Fan? Who, who are you thinking you might enjoy working with? I think I agree with uh, Ash on the Hill thing and I was thinking about I don't know why, I was just thinking about Victor Moses and and how he <laughs> into, a to in fact, quite a good right wing back, I thought, uh, during his time at Chelsea. And although he's not naturally a defender, because he was pretty built and quite strong and fairly aggressive and obviously a fantastic athlete, it worked very well. He could actually convert into that role. At the other players that we've got left, I'm not sure whether there's anyone else who could potentially do that. Maybe if he got Tanganga Brava, he could potentially fulfil that role. But I'm Berg- not Bergvine. no Bergvine isn't oh no Bergvine is paper. <laughs> Just not good enough <laughs> it's this, this Berg- isn't going to suit him I, I have no doubt that there's a good player there somewhere but this is a guy who who likes to to run at, in straight lines essentially as a traditional winger this system doesn't lend well to that so I can't I mean, this is where we talk about being brutal again. He could be one of the ones where I think, right, just cut your losses now, 15 to 20 million, fight someone's hand off, replace him as soon as possible with someone who will suit the system better.
3: Bovind looks perfectly kind of designed for the German league, doesn't he? Like the sort of the, the rapid counter-attacks and the half spaces, and like, like so many forwards of his style thrive there. Um, so yeah, I think if you can get 15 million for him and... Get him off to like by Leverkusen or something. <laughs> take take the deal. Take the deal, Daniel. Um, the only other guy I wanted to ask though, um, purely on raw ability, Tongi and Dombele not called up for France. Mm-hmm. Probably one of the most gifted footballers in the squad. If you're content, you're thinking right. Who who could I maybe get something out of? He's surely someone who you want to take a crack at. As, as the coach, you want to think, maybe I'm the guy who can unlock this. Do you not think he he would be a focus? Yeah, absolutely.
1: I think that goes without saying. And uh, we've, we've spoken about it before, Conte's wanted to enter. and um, I think that's with my, well, playing him in the 3-5-2, I think that's what he had in mind. And like I said, when you're, when you're playing that system, you can cover for his defensive frailties because you've got two other sentiments for a start, but also got three defenders behind him. So I think he's going to, he's really going to kick on, and with the extra fitness work, we'll, we'll see a lot more from him. I don't think he's been particularly, um, I don't know. I don't think he's put in little work, or he's been particularly unhealthy, or whatever. But we we know from Conte that he wants he wants a lot more. So I think he's rubbing his hands together, Conte, that he's got two weeks of Tanky, I think Tanky is probably running for the hills. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> One player whose role I think should change is is Moiras. I mean. He was kind of playing him as a attacking mid-come forward as part of this, this front three. And I think there were too many times against Everton in particular that he was potentially holding onto the ball a little bit too long. He just wasn't releasing at the right time. And like you say, Conte was fairly critical of that. For me, because we haven't had a second striker in forever. And we know Son and Kane are going to be our, most likely our two strikers in this system. Uh, who will be the first names on the team sheet, no doubt, that Lucas could be that, that second striker, so to speak. He can play the centre-forward role pretty well. He's got surprisingly good lead, and obviously he's a nightmare to defend against when he's on the ball. So I think we need to accept that, that Moira should now be a centre-forward in this system uh, and allow people like Dele and Ndombele to potentially try and make that creative midfielder role their own. That's what I want to see during this break. Agreed agreed god look at that <laughs> it's
1: because jim's like it
0: <laughs> i think on that note then that joyous note of agreement uh we should probably leave it there uh thank you so much for listening don't forget you can find us at cock and ball and score pod on twitter we're on facebook we're on instagram and we get around uh don't forget uh you can get 20 percent off your Manscaped products don't forget that uh ash what's the code again
1: clean balls all one word
0: bean balls all one 20% off manscaped and free uh, that, shipping and free sh- and free shipping i didn't and know free shipping yeah yeah well speaking of free shipping we don't actually know where jim's gone we don't even know if he, he actually got delivered safely home um but rest assured your manscaped products were yes brilliant segways thanks for listening we'll see you next time